Our second lesson today comes from the book of Ephesians. I'm reading the first 10 verses of chapter 2, Ephesians 2. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. This is the word of the Lord. The Bible is filled, filled with wonderful stories. You know that, right? The Bible's filled with wonderful stories, and it's full of wonderful stories that convey to us the truths about life, the truths about God, The truths about God's promises and God's presence that sustain us no matter where we are in life. The more we know these stories, the more we live by faith. The more we ingest into our hearts and into our lives and into our very beings these stories, the more we live with devotion and commitment. The more we share these stories with our children and our grandchildren, the more we all are able to live by faith and serve God. Our first lesson today includes one of those fantastic stories. Let let me remind you of the context of that story from Exodus 17. At the beginning of the book of Exodus, God's people find themselves in Egypt. They had gone to Egypt because there was a famine in their land, and they went for food. But then a new Pharaoh emerged on the scene, came to power in Egypt, and he said to his people, look, these Israelites, they are too many among us. The new Pharaoh felt threatened by the Israelites, so he incorporated a harsh immigration policy, and he actually made the Israelites slaves in Egypt. The Egyptians treated them ruthlessly, forced them into hard labor, and made them slaves. All of this is in Exodus chapter 1. Perhaps when you read the headlines this day about the fighting in Gaza, it goes all the way back to these tensions in Exodus 1. But in the next chapter and chapters, God calls Moses to go and say to Pharaoh, let my people go. 
They've been in bondage long enough. They've been slaves under harsh oppression long enough. Let my people go, says Pharaoh. And eventually they get away, fleeing for their lives, escaping from Egypt. And all this is in Exodus chapters 3 through 15. And then we get to Exodus 17, which is our passage today. We find God's people out of Egypt, out of Egypt and no longer slaves, but now camping in the wilderness in this area called Rephidim. And there is no water to drink. The people complain to Moses, why did you bring us out here so that we would die of thirst? And I'm sure they weren't saying it with that kind of calmness. Why did you bring us out here so we could die of thirst? Now, I suspect most of us know this feeling if we've lived just a little bit. The biblical phrase is wandering in the desert because that's what they were doing. Wandering, trying to find their way. And the biblical metaphor of thirst can be anything that haunts us Anything that hampers our sense of joy, our sense of life. The biblical metaphor of thirst can be anything that takes away our sense of hope and our sense of wholeness. And folks, this is not just a feeling. This can be a state, a state of being for us, a state of despair, a state of dread, a state of shame, a state of guilt, a state of grief, a state of heartache, a state of darkness. Why'd you bring us out here so that we would die of thirst? We know about this sentiment, this potential state. Maybe it is how students feel at the lowest point of some academic journey or the lowest point of a school year. Maybe it's how parents feel when Challenges and issues stack up for our children that seem impossible to overcome. Maybe it's that emptiness that comes with grief when it finally sets in that our loved one is no longer with us. Maybe it is some challenge, some person, some issue in our lives. And the circumstances get so difficult. The mountains get so high. The climbs get so challenging. It's all become so heavy and discouraging and overwhelming. You know about this. Maybe it's even the fiscal cliff that we're talking so much about in these days. And this complicated process of figuring out our economy with such rising deficits and detesting of taxes. Maybe it's the magnitude of the chronic problems that we know about across the globe, environmental problems or the threat of terror that haunts us or the recent fighting in the Gaza Strip. All these things, circumstances that certainly make God wonder, I think, why the world has evolved as it has. We know about these feelings this state that we can find ourselves wandering in the desert, longing for some quenching of thirst, in fact, dying of thirst. And what so often happens to us in these 
seasons, in these circumstances, often faith gives way to fretting and courage and confidence as God's people give way to complaining and dread and fear and anxiety take center stage in our hearts and in our minds. Why'd you bring us out here to die? We should be slaves back in Egypt. That's what we'd rather be. The people had already forgotten God's care and provision for them, God's guidance and steadfast love. They'd already forgotten it. And you know what? We too, we quickly forget and we fall away from that sense of God's presence and God's promises just like they do. And the story, this wonderful story from Scripture, this truth, this essence of the gospel, this good news for our lives, happens in the wilderness in Exodus 17. God says to Moses, go out ahead of the people, and I'll stand before you by the rock, and strike the rock, and water will come, and the people will drink. And it happened. And it happened here, and it happens in so many other places, in similar moments all through scriptures, and the story of God and God's people. God hears the cries, and God comes and provides, and God meets where the needs are the worst, and God keeps giving life and hope and purpose and possibility. That's the story. What is it about us that our memories are so short? What is it about us that we so easily forget the abundance and the provisions and the care and the bounty that God has given us? Friends, God provides. God's love covers us. God never leaves us. We keep forgetting these truths. The Jewish people through the ages, have long understood this human tendency to forget. So the Jewish tradition has a number of high holy days and festivals that helps the people not forget, but remember there are a number of these high holy days to help them not fall into complaining, but remember. One of them is the Festival of Booths or the Festival of Tabernacles, it's called. During this particular festival, Jewish people for many lives would, many uh, centuries would leave their homes and build structures that they would live in for this festival. And these structures would be open to the sky so that they could see the stars. And the point is, when you can see the stars, you remember the story of our ancestors wandering in the desert and you look up at the stars and you say God provided them in the desert. Certainly God can provide us in the desert and we go through this ritual so that we remember and don't forget. The point is if God provided in the desert then God can provide in our deserts now. Even today some Orthodox Jews build their houses so they can see the stars from their bedroom. The point is remembering When you see the stars, you remember and not forget, recalling that our lives are sustained by God's care. And that's the story that we keep telling and passing on. God is the one who provides, who never leaves us. God is the one who meets our very needs. How much do we need to hear that fresh 
today? What's your deepest complaint? What is it that's keeping you up at night? What is it that's got you anxious? What is it that has removed you from the central place of God's presence and love and has filled your life with worry and fretting and uncertainty? What is it? Is the Lord among us or not? It seems that in so much of life, we live as if it's all up to us. We live as if we are the ones who have to do it all or we've already done it all in order to get where we are today. We forget that we are part of a larger, broader, radius life in God's care. And our forgetting can get pretty dangerous because in our forgetting, we no longer think about God. We think mostly about ourselves. We're no longer grateful for what we've been given. We mostly think about what we want or what we need. No longer looking out and seeing human needs and people, real people right in front of us. We're looking beyond them to what we need to be doing and what we need to accomplish for ourselves because it's so often about me and mine. Forgetting God's presence and promises can get pretty dangerous. Then we have another lesson today. It comes from Ephesians chapter 2. Some of the best and most treasured words in all of Scripture. By grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. This is a free gift of God. For we are what God has made us to be. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. These are words that intend to orient our lives, give us focus, mission. These are words that seek to remind us who we are as God's creatures and where we are always in the care and in the providence of God. These are words that want to remind us of God's boundless grace for us so that we can live gracious, generous lives, loving and serving, going forward Created in Christ Jesus for good works, it says. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. How about saying this with me? Saved by grace. grace. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. This is who we are. See, we're always trying to move from where we are to what we might become. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're always trying to move from where we are, from forgetting God's bountiful provisions to trusting God with our lives. We're trying to move from where we are to what God would have us be, from wandering in the desert to serving God with purpose and effectiveness, from floundering and doubting and all kinds of other things to doing good for God. This is who we are. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a free gift of God. For we are what God has made us to be. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. The great Swiss theologian of the previous century, Karl Barth, has a vivid description of what this sentence looks like. Saved by grace created in Christ Jesus for good works. Bart says, imagine yourself curled up and head down in a dark corner 
of a cell. On your, in this curled up position, in the darkness, in the far corner of a dark cell with the door locked. This is his image. Sitting there in pain and suffering. Sitting there in grief and despair. Sitting there in this maze, from this maze of drudgery that's been our life often. We find ourselves curled up, head down, in the corner of a dark cell. God does not stand outside and say, wake up, get up, try to get yourself out of there. God does not simply come to the door and open it and say, come on, the door's open, let's go. God does not simply turn on the light and say, there's some light, let's go, come on out. No, none of that. Actually, as Bart tells it, God, the loving spirit who knows us and made us and promises never to leave us, actually opens the door, turns on the light, comes over to us in the corner, bends down to us, lifts us up, and enables us to walk out, to live, to love, to serve God. And never leaving us the whole way. That is a picture of who God is and what God does. By grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the free gift of God. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. There's a strong quote from Winston Churchill. Success is never final. Failure is never fatal. It is courage that counts. What we are called to be as God's people, you and I and all of us who know something about God's steadfast love and presence and care, what we're called to be about is courage. Courage to receive God's presence and care. Courage to allow our lives to be covered in God's promises. Courage to trust God and allow God to lead us into the world in faithful service. Success is never final. Failure is never fatal. It's courage that counts. Courage to trust God and serve God. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works. Today really is a wonderful day. We have the privilege, we have the opportunity shortly to come forward in our worship with our morning offering, with our pledges and commitments for God's work through this church for the coming year. So imagine this, imagine God coming to you right where you are, right in the situation of your life, meeting you, bending over to you, helping you up, enabling you to walk and showing you the way to love and serve God because we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. It takes courage. It takes courage, but saved by grace through faith, we're given courage. Courage to honor God and sacrifice in serving God. It takes courage, created in Christ Jesus for good works. That takes courage. 
and we make pledges and commitments and offer ourselves in devoted service. Today is a wonderful day. May our gifts, our commitments, our very lives truly embody God's presence and spirit at work in our lives, giving us courage. And may we together in this downtown church bear God's light brightly in this city and serve God to the farthest corners of the earth, created in Christ Jesus for good works. This is who we are. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. We believe, O God, help our unbelief And give us courage and faith, commitment and fortitude to follow Christ our Lord. Amen.